You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Welcome to Voice Junkie. What's up, what's up, what's up? Thank you. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Voice Junkie podcast. Today is all NBA. I mean, we have to kind of talk about the NBA. I got to get some of the stuff that I've been thinking about off my chest. After watching such an entertaining, courageous effort by the Golden State Warriors, it was one of these series that I say to myself that it definitely was filled with some of the most drama that I've ever seen out of the 20-plus years of watching the NBA Finals. Uh, I mean, it was just so many subtitles, so many plots, so many ebb and flows throughout the series. I mean, it was like a roller coaster ride. I mean, it was your one minute, you're in the lowest of lows. And the next minute, you're at the highest of highs. Shout out to the, you know, to Golden State Warriors for giving such a valued effort. I mean, these guys were a mash unit out there playing with basically spare parts. You know, it's like a car trying to chug along with spare parts leaking oil. And it just keeps going and going. And that's what the, you know, that's what the Golden State Warriors were, man. They was that leaky car. And somehow, some way, they were still able to pull off two victories out of the series. It still went six games, which is amazing considering all the catastrophic injuries that the Golden State Warriors uh, endured. But, you know, Drake country, Drake land, Toronto, is finally going to rejoice in their first franchise championship in, of the NBA. It's it's great for that country, you know. Toronto has always long been one of those places that has all the lore when it comes to being a classy city, uh, major city in across the globe. So to see those guys celebrate, it's it's big because it's a whole country that's celebrating, not just Toronto. But um, I, let me break down some of the ways. I mean, it the the series, <laughs> you know. I always talk to my friends. I talk to a lot of people about. The basketball gods. You know, I don't believe in many gods, but I do believe in the basketball gods. And when the basketball gods tell you, meaning you, meaning the other team, that this ain't your time, this is not your moment, you best believe that word is law because <laughs> that's what the basketball gods said to the Golden State Warriors. It was just injury after injury, after injury, in the finals. Usually when a team is going along their journey to the NBA Finals to win the championship, you get injuries along the way. In this situation, you not just had injuries, you had catastrophic injuries that, you know, again, like I said before, I've never seen before in the time I've watched the NBA Finals. You had Kevin Durant. Whether he rushed back or not, who knows? We never will never know because... The team, the Golden State Warriors, said that they did all their due diligence. They said it was just a calf injury. A lot of people think that it wasn't a calf injury. Everybody thinks or speculates that Kevin Durant, when he hurt himself in that Houston series, it's been, God, almost two months ago. When he first hurt himself, everybody assumed it was an Achilles. But the Golden State Warriors kept staying with the same story, kept saying that, no, it's not an Achilles, it's a calf. But it turns out, KD came back, maybe against his best judgment, and he tried to strap it up and play. And boy, did he play, man. He played hard. And he, you know, he blew his Achilles. You know, so now the Golden State Warriors got to get past that, right? They 
on from that. They, it's a devastating injury. So they got to move past that. So we get all the way to game six. Game six, the final game in the Oracle building, Oracle Arena. It's the final game in the Bay as they start, you know, as they transition to the new stadium in San Francisco. And what do you know it? Clay Thompson is the next person to go down on that murderous row far as injury report. Clay Thompson is cooking. He is cooking like no other. I mean, he is scoring at will. He's getting whatever he wants. Every shot he throw up, whether it's in transition or spotting up, is going in, whether it's from 10 feet or 30. I mean, Clay was looking kind of special. I mean, he was looking like he could have easily scored 40 to 50 points that game and probably would have. And Golden State Warriors would have, without a doubt, won that game six. But what happened instead, unfortunately for Clay Thompson's sake, and mind you, Clay Thompson had already missed game three due to a hamstring pull. So he came back, soldiered back, played out of his mind. He's playing out of his mind in game six. To what happens? He goes up for a dunk on a transition. Danny Green tries to swat at the ball. You know, he's playing honest defense. Danny Green's not a dirty player. He was just going after the ball. Clay Thompson just magically lands awkwardly on his left knee. Now, I watched it live, and it didn't look good at all. I mean, I thought, I was hoping, I guess, I guess I was hoping that it wasn't serious. I guess I was just hoping that it was like a, you know, dislocation or something, like the knee popped out of the socket or something. Because that's how bad it looked when they kept showing it on the uh, replay. But it turns out, you know, at the end of the night, once they found out, Clay Thompson suffered a torn ACL. I don't have to break down how much of a tough guy Clay Thompson is. I mean, the guy kept getting up. He laid on the ground for a while, but he kept trying to get up and he tra- kept trying to get back into the game, even as he knew he was, you know, potentially really hurt. He came back, left the game. Goes up the tunnel, comes back to the game, walks right back down the tunnel with the torn ACL. At the time, he doesn't even know that ACL is torn at this point. So he walks back gingerly, completes his free throws, his two free throws. And then, you know, at that point, you know, Steve Kerr signaled for somebody to foul the Raptors so they can get um, Clay back out of the game and back into the dressing room so they can check on him. At that point, I mean, it's about a minute or two left in the third quarter, and Klay Thompson, at that point, as he exited the game, had 30 points. 30. He was 8 for 12 from the field, 10 for 10 at the free throw line. I mean, he was looking pretty special. Then the word comes out, he has a torn ACL. Just unfortunate. I mean, Klay Thompson, you know, is so huge. I mean, the Golden State Warriors, just they really, really played up to their names. They played as warriors, but, you know, sometimes it happens. Injuries, injuries is a part of the game. You know, I know the 2015, uh, <laughs> if, you are, if you are a Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers fan, I know you're not shedding a tear probably for the Warriors, um, thinking about all the injuries that you guys experienced in 2015 when the Warriors won their first championship, and you guys had no Kyrie. Well, Kyrie left after the first game, but then you had no Kevin Love to go into the series at all because of his shoulder separation or whatever, his rotator cuff tear. So, you know, you guys have been down two stars and had a chance to win. So this 2015 Cavs team and that and this year's Warriors team resembled each other greatly because both teams lost in six games ultimately. 
and it was due in large part to injuries. So it's unfortunate. You don't want to see any team have those types of injuries, especially catastrophic injuries. Now the Warriors are in limbo because not only is it the end of a dynasty, I mean, now there's real doubts as to whether the Warriors will ever be the same again. Because Kevin Durant's going to miss the entire year next. Even if you bring Kevin Durant back, which there's a lot of speculation out there saying that they're going to try to give both KD and Clay the max deal. I don't know how they're going to do that logistically. I don't know how the numbers are going to work out. But if you're going to move into a new arena, then you got to make that risk. Even if you got to pay a little more in luxury tax, you got a whole brand new arena that you're moving into. If you want to keep the, 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 the core nucleus together, then you might as well go for broke. This is the point of professional sports. Championships is the point. It's not just about making a shit ton of money, which I'm sure the owners do care about because at the end of the day, it is a business. But also, you want to not only make money, you want to win championships. And when you win championships, that increases the value of your professional sports team. It does. So in the long run, you may spend a lot of money up front, and lose money as far as luxury tax is concerned. But in the long run, it helps the value of your organization as your organization wins championships. So if they are able to bring back both KD and Clay on max deals, that's great for the foreseeable future. But however, it's not so great for the 2019-2020 season. Now you have to wonder, now that you don't have a Clay and you don't have a Kevin Durant for the whole season. Clay may come back, who knows, sometime after All-Star break. Clay could probably be back maybe March or April. Who knows? But even if he comes back, he's not going to be Clay Thompson because he's coming off of a major knee surgery of an ACL tear. So you're not going to get 100% Clay even when he comes back. So now you have to wonder if the Golden State Warriors are even going to make the playoffs next year. I know how crazy that sounds, but the Western Conference is stacked with talent. It is absolutely 1,000% stacked with talent. But, you know, that's one road that they're going to have to cross. I'll get into that as far as how the Western Conference is going to look in a second, uh, the new version of the Western Conference. But I just want to just riddle off a, a few more stats before I, I close the book on this uh, uh, great series that we just experienced. First and foremost, I know the media, you know, there's a lot of talk shows and there's a lot of analysts that are kind of um, all over Steph as far as how he, you know, kind of came up small in big moments as far as when the team absolutely needed him. I don't want to get too hard on Steph Curry because I think still at the end of the day, I believe without KD that the Toronto Raptors were just going to win this series. Yeah, it might have took seven games, but the Raptors were just the better team. I mean, let's face it. It just was. They had more depth, and all of their starters played like starters. They just did. They didn't really have a lot of off games in that core five in their rotation. So, you know, you got to give them their credit and tip your cap to them as well. I mean, it's not just... A matter of injuries it's just a matter of just really really a, a better and more superior team um, at display there but I just want to reel off a couple stats because you know I gotta do my job to add some sort of perspective to what what clay uh, what not clay but what Steph didn't really do Steph did have an overall 
great series. I know you're going to look at the stats. I think he averaged somewhere around 30 points. I didn't do the uh, stats on that because those stats are a little empty considering these stats that I'm going to give you right now. Steph Curry, the three-point assassin that he is, arguably the greatest shooter that the NBA has ever seen. Do you know how many, how much he shot from the three-point line all series, all six games? Do you know how much he shot from the three-point line? He shot 34% from three all series. 34% for Steph Curry. That is awful. For his standards, for the level that he has far as greatest shooter ever, for you to shoot only 34% from three for the entire series is god-awful. And he knows it. He knows it. But here's an even here's a, here's here's an even more devastating stat. So he shot thirty four percent from three all series, which isn't great at all for his standards. Because you're talking about a guy who can easily shoot forty five to fifty percent from three. He shot thirty four percent. So at his standards, that's not good. For a role player, that'll be great. But for his standards, not good at all. But even worse than that, when when it was money time. Money time, you know, money on the table. You know what money time is. That's the fourth quarter. Steph Curry shot 17% from three from the fourth in the fourth quarter, all series. That is insane. 17% from three in the fourth quarter. This is money time, Steph. This is when your team needs you the most. And for you to shoot, you're already shooting 34% from the field from three. And for you to shoot half of that, cut that in half. For the fourth quarter? So Steph definitely came up small. And then they had another stat that I had to write this down and get and share with you guys. Not only did he shoot abysmal from three all series, but now for his total career, all playoff games, finals, you know, semis, all these different playoff games and series, he's 0 for 8 in go-ahead shots with 20 or less seconds in playoff games. 0 for 8. So that makes you kind of wonder if you're Steve Kerr in game six where they they drew up this great play for Steph, got him open somehow, some way in the corner, and he missed the shot terribly. This is to, you know, what, 20 seconds to go. Uh, it was eight seconds actually to go. And he got a wide open look. For his standards, that's a wide open look, and he clanked it. It wasn't even close. But it kind of makes you wonder, hey, Maybe Steve Kerr should have drew up something where Steph could move the defense with him because he's going to always have one or two guys following him or rotating off to to get you know to get to Steph before he gets to his spot. Maybe Steve could have just I don't know designed something where Steph takes away a person and then they leave a person open like Iguodala to hit that big shot because we've seen we've seen Iggy hit that shot before. So I, you know, I I was thinking about that as it happened, but again, that's you know that's hindsight at this point. But Steph had a nice look and he missed it. So now he's 0 for eight from go ahead shots for 20 seconds or less in the playoffs. I mean, you can't defend that. You can't defend that. And I hate to get on him like that because the dude played with guts. He he tried to put it all out on the line, especially what was it game four where he scored 47 points. And he led the team in rebounds and assists and points, and they still lost. You know, that that's that's hard. Well, actually, it wasn't game four. I'm sorry about that check. I think that was game three because Clay was out that game. 
And then Steph tried to carry it himself and he came up short only because, hey, there was no one else making shots. But I don't want to get too hard on uh, Steph because Steph did put some effort in. He did try, you know, but it's just, again, he lost to a better team. But those shooting numbers for Steph Curry is awful. They're awful. And, you know, he's going to be thinking about this all offseason. Because he know that he came up small. He know that he could have done a little bit more to give his his team a better shot at winning this thing. But on the flip side of things, before Clay went down, Clay shot 58% from three all series. 58! He almost doubled Def's three-point average of 34%. Clay shot 58% from three. So if Clay, God forbid, Clay, if if you could turn this whole thing around and get in the time machine. And Clay doesn't get hurt. Clay's not only probably going to score 40 to 50 points in this game six, he's probably going to have a good game seven as well. So maybe, maybe the Warriors probably would have won this thing because I did pick them in seven games to start. But if that were to happen, that means Clay would have had to play out of his mind. Another narrative that would have been interesting is that Clay Thompson having a strong game six because he already had one before he got hurt. And then going into Game 7, he probably would have had a real good shot of winning the MVP. So what if Clay wins the MVP, doesn't get hurt, they, they he, he destroys the Raptors, scores 40, 50 points in Game 6, then goes to Game 7 in Toronto and scores like, I don't know, 30, 30-plus points, which is Clay is definitely capable of doing that. Then you got to wonder, like, wait a minute, we may have to give Clay Thompson the MVP. And if that would have happened, if... Clay would have got the MVP, then that again would have been a big mark on Steph Curry's legacy because Steph has yet to pick up his own finals MVP. And if Clay would have got that MVP, then we would have been back to square one far as if, you know, if Steph is an all-time top 10 player or not. But enough of that. I mean, it is what it is. Shout out again to the Raptors. Raptors are the champs now. Listen, the injury bug happens to all teams. It's unfortunate. It had to happen to the Warriors as far as them and their dynasty is concerned. But now it's going to be interesting to see what Kawhi Leonard does in the offseason. You know, you get into the league, you play professional sports, A, to make some money, but B, to win championships. This is what we've always been told as fans, that players want to win championships. Now, if you're Kawhi Leonard, you're going to pretty much have the same team from Toronto going into next season. They may add a couple parts as far as expand their depth. You know, essentially, they're going to be the same team. So if you care about championships, Kawhi, why would you leave the Eastern Conference, leave a championship team to go play for L.A.? You really, really want to play for L.A. like that? So now the, the ball's in Kawhi Leonard's court because now we get to see you know, the mindset of a superstar player. Do they really care solely about championships or do they care about being a little happy? They want to play in places that they want to play. Um, I I just, I hope that Kawhi Leonard ultimately stays, even if he does a one-in-one deal or or something. I I, I think that that city does deserve Kawhi to stay. And then they, you know, he's like a hero there now. I don't think he'll ever get the kind of praise that he's getting now in any other city that he chooses to play. Right now, he is like God in Toronto or in Canada professional sports. He's like he's like a God right now. 
you know, he's a finals MVP. What more do you want as an NBA player? So, you know, we'll see what Kawhi ends up doing. I hope Kawhi does ultimately stay. But with these guys, man, who knows? Who freaking knows? Um, Now, with that being said, I just want to pivot back to what I was talking about, you know, a few minutes, several minutes ago. And that's just about the makeup of the Western Conference and what that lies ahead for the Warriors. And how I said before, hey, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. And I said that because now reports have come out. You know, this this news came out yesterday. Just a big, big, big all over, you know, the Internet. all over the freaking, I said the Internet. <laughs> it's a big, you know, news headline all over the Internet, all over TV. And that is the Lakers finally, finally traded for Anthony Davis of the Pelicans. The Lakers will get their freaking player that they've been trying to get since the start of the season. Not the start of the season, but the start of this this year in 2019, since January. AD is going to be a Laker. Now, what did the Lakers give up to get AD? Now, this is crazy. I'm sorry. The Lakers gave up. Lonzo Ball, Ingram, Josh Hart, and three first-round picks, starting with this year's fourth overall pick from the uh, for, um, from the Lakers. They're gonna get the fourth overall pick. That's going over to the Pelicans, and of course, those other two first-round picks after this season is gonna be. I think one is protected, and then one is gonna be in twenty twenty-four. So you gave up three first-round draft picks, and Three cornerstone young NBA players, Alonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart. So just put that in perspective if you're a Pelicans fan. You got a lot back. These are talented kids. They didn't get they didn't get Kuzma. They didn't get Kuzma. But they got a good package back here. These kids, they're all under 25 years old. They're in their early 20s, all of them. So you're going to put all of these guys on that team. Alonzo's going to start, obviously. Ingram's going to start. And you're gonna, you know, put them together with like, you know, Julius Randle, who's still over there, and maybe they bring back Drew Holiday. I don't know, but that's a strong team. And then not only do you get all those pieces back, this undoubtedly frees up a lot of cap space. So maybe, maybe the Pelicans now are a player in free agency, far as getting a, you know, one of these big coveted free agents that's going to be on the market, the Jimmy Butlers of the world, the uh, Kimball Walkers of the world, the Kyrie Irvins of the world, et cetera, et cetera. So the Pelicans are players in this in this offseason as well. Now they got all of this stuff. So it's it, it's interesting because now, not to mention, they still have the first overall pick, which everyone in the world knows that they're going to pick Zion Williamson because they'll be absolutely out of their minds if they don't. But now it got me to thinking. It really got me to thinking. If I'm the Pelicans and if I'm David Griffin, the uh, GM of the Pelicans, I really, really have to consider giving up that number one overall pick. Because think about it. You already have a super talented young team. This team is going to compete for the playoffs. As it is constituted on paper, I don't have the full projected uh, roster right now, but on paper, just with these new additions, you have to think that they're going to, Definitely compete in the Western Conference for a playoff spot, whether that's seventh or eighth, who knows? But they they're definitely in competition for that spot now for those two spots. So if I'm if I'm them, 
why wouldn't I not just stockpile a ton of first round picks? Let me let me tell you what I mean here. Why wouldn't you think about offloading that number one overall pick? Because we know, we know, everybody knows how desperately bad the New York Knicks want Zion Williams. They want him badly. Unfortunately, New York is slotted in the third overall pick, which right now they have R.J. Barrett there, but they don't want R.J. Barrett. They want Zion Williams. Zion Williamson is 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 showtime. He is, you know, he's all of those things. He is box office. You know what I mean? That's what the Knicks want. So honestly, if I'm David Griffin, I, I'll entertain that. And if I'm the Knicks, how bad do you want Zion Williamson? Are you willing to part ways with your third overall pick this year and give up maybe one or two more over uh, first round picks? Now they have those first round picks because duh, 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 they have first round picks from the Dallas Mavericks in the Porzingis trade. So they have a stockpile of their own first round picks. So if I'm the New York Knicks, I'm definitely trading those first round picks. I'll give up my number three pick so I can get that number one pick and pick Zion Williamson. Now, if you really want Zion Williamson, that's what you do. If I'm the Knicks, I do that. You go for it. You you trade up those picks. You get Zion Williamson, the future cornerstone of that team. And then you got all that cap space left to go pick up one or two big free agency uh, studs to pair them with Zion Williamson. It changes things a little bit, if you think about it. Because I'm doing that if I'm the Knicks. Why not? Go for broke now and, 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 and pick up the guy that you really want that you really believe in. Why not? I think, you know, it's worth entertaining. If I'm in that front office of the New York Knicks, I'm entertaining that. Like, yo, we can give up a third overall pick and give up those Mavericks picks or give them one Mavericks pick and maybe ours or whatever, however you mix and match. But they got a bunch of first-round picks, so why not? And then on the Pelican side, you're getting three overall picks from the, from the uh, Lakers. And then you can get more first-round picks from the Knicks. They might potentially have four to five first-round picks after this draft. And I'm talking about the Pelicans in that sense. So that dynamic is interesting. So I I would not at all be surprised if the New York Knicks try to make some kind of play to get that Zion, Zion Williamson at number one. You heard it here first at the Voice Junkie. Chuck West is putting it out there. That's what I would not be surprised if you start hearing those those rumblings and the rumor cycles and all however they do it with these analysts. Don't be surprised if that happens. So that that's very interesting to, to ponder if I were you guys. Just to ponder the thought of Zion still having a shot to play for the New York Knicks. But other than that, we got the free agency coming up. Everybody is patiently waiting June 30th or, uh, or, or July 1st, however it breaks. And that's when a free agency frenzy officially begins. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, you know, you got Kimball Walk out there. I, I'm hearing the Dallas Mavericks. I'm hearing the Lakers. I'm hearing Kyrie wants to go to Brooklyn, but who the hell is going to follow him over to Brooklyn? I don't know. Jimmy Butler's opted out. Uh, Philly still has him in their sights. 
So we'll see what happens. This is what is so exciting about the NBA is when the season's over, the second season starts, and that's the free agency season. But yeah, that's all we got here for this week. This is the Voice Junkie Podcast, episode 35. As always, support by sharing all episodes, even the past episodes. There's a lot of good content in this library. So enjoy and, and just share and help this, this, this whole show grow, man. It's all you that makes it grow. So without you, this can't grow. I always appreciate it. Without a doubt. Thanks. And I'll talk to you guys next time on the next one. Yay!